My husband and I just um, celebrated our uh, 26th year of marriage. Um, this is my family. We went to the Rose Bowl. We're frog fans. Um, my husband and I went to TCU when TCU was not cool. I went to every football game in college because I, was on, I wasn't a cheerleader, but I was like on the dance team. We won four games in four years when I was in college. Um, so to say that I was, ex- you know, it, it is exciting. I'm not a real big fan, but this is one way that I love my husband. I'm a sports fan because he is. So here we are. These are my daughters. Um, I am growing them um, to hopefully love and care for their husbands someday and be great wives and mothers. Um, but over the holidays, my husband and I did have our 26th wedding anniversary, and um, I know it. And I am married to what I lovingly call a high-maintenance man, and I would say that to his face. I have and do all the time, and he tells me always that every marriage is high-maintenance, that God did not design this to be easy, and I tell him, thank you so much for sharing that. I will be, remember that and keep working on it. But uh, one of the things he told me the night of our anniversary was there's always more room in the house for improvement. And I said, oh, well, that's a great thought. And I actually looked up, and that is a quote. Um, And the quote is, there's always room for improvement. You know, it's the biggest room in the house. And so I thought about my house, and you know, there is a whole lot of room for improvement in my house, in my marriage. And so that's where we're going to go today, ladies. I want you to think about the biggest room in your house, which is the opportunity for you to just love, honor, serve the Lord by having a great marriage. And what a fun time of year to do this. I mean, all of my friends are kind of in that first of the year, oh, I'm going to exercise more, and this year I'm going to lose 10 pounds, and I'm going to be, I'm going to read four child-rearing books this year, and I'm going to cook um, something new every week. But lots of us are in goal setting. So what a fun time of year to actually think about our husbands, who really next to the Lord should be our number one priority. And sometimes, because we are worn out, worn down, we've mothered all day, we're tired, they're tired, they are the last thing that is on our goal list. Um, You know, I have teenagers, and some of you might think, well, by the time you get teenagers, certainly this is easier. And I would tell you that I feel like I'm in the teen-toddler years. We are intensively parenting. I mean, I don't have them all day, but the minute they hit the house, which is at 4 o'clock, I am on motherhood mode until midnight when my girls turn their lights off and go to bed. It just doesn't let up. So we have to figure out how to do it well. Yeah, I know, middle school years were calmer. I will tell you that. They still went to bed at 8. I could, you know, school. But I'm back in the teens. I mean, I have months until I have done dumping into my 18-year-old. She is gone in six months, and she reminds me of that pretty much daily. And I've got to get everything I can in her in the last six months, which is a terrible way to look at it, but that is, um, that is how I look at it. But we're going to spend time just talking about goals for our marriage. So a couple topics, and this is what we're going to hit today. Now, you have a handout at your table. Um, You're welcome to write on it, or you can just leave it there. It's up to you and however you want to take information when you leave. But here are the things we're going to talk about. We're going to spend a little bit of time with you thinking about your husband and your marriage and what are some goals for you for this year. And you may not finish those goals today, but I just want you to really think, 
how can you make the biggest impact with your husband and on your marriage? What's in your power and within your authority to do to really love him as well as you can? And we're going to talk about eight specific areas of impact um, that, that the Christian literature and that research says can make the greatest difference with our husband. What are those eight areas? And we'll talk about what matches your husband. There may be areas that you don't think would make a difference to him, but other areas you know, ooh, this is my husband exactly. Um, and so we're going to spend a little time at the end just thinking about your husband, your plan, what works with you and for him. So my goal is for you to leave here today with new ideas to bless your marriage. This is your hour and 15 minutes or however long it takes us to get here. So just grab a few things that you will take with you that you know will make a difference with your husband's. Now, this whole series is called Truce, and I think all of us come into marriage um, with some misconceptions and with some misunderstandings, and um, later on we learn, whew, that really wasn't the truth. So I want you to spend a couple minutes at your table talking about what were some of the misconceptions you had about your husband and about marriage that you entered with, things that the media had taught you, things that you thought from your parents. Um, Some of mine were, I thought my husband and I would never argue because we didn't really argue when we were dating and engaged. And suddenly when he became a husband, he didn't agree with everything I said. He was kind of wrong. So that was one of my misconceptions. Another one, um, well, I won't tell you anymore. You guys talk about him, and then I'd like to hear some of these. So take about five minutes at your tables. Talk about some of the misuntruths, misconceptions that you believed about marriage or your husband. Okay, ladies, if you'll find a stopping point for your discussion, I'd love to hear maybe a couple misconceptions. Um, What were some of the things that you came into marriage with? Some of the lies you believed, misconceptions, Um, anyone? Let's hear one or two from, or three or four from some groups. Anyone want to share? Anyone have any that were really fun or different? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Absolutely. Like, you mean his family is going to impact him and they're different than mine? Right? What a surprise. Okay. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Great. What else? Other groups? Yes. Well, three nights. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like that. <laughs> it's not? <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> right. Life happens, right? Great. What else? Yes. Be able to fix things like our dads did. Take care of us like our dads maybe did. Yeah, absolutely. Great. What? Anything else that you guys want to share? Yes. Right. Especially hard for those of us that were working, independent had our own household, basically, before we got married, which was not me, by the way. Um, I went straight from college to marriage. But, you know, my girlfriends that were very independent, that was especially harder for them. Or it was harder to submit because he wasn't like our dads in terms of leadership and those kinds of things. All right, you know, ladies, we come into marriage with lots of stuff. God has a design and a beautiful picture for marriage and how he wants us to love and honor our husbands. So I want to 
want to give you a couple minutes here to just think about your marriage before we dive into the material. Um, if you could change three things this year in 2011, just three things about the way that you love your husband and the way your marriage is, what might those three things be? I mean, this is kind of your wish list. How might you love him better, and how might your marriage improve this year? So on your paper, you can write your three things, or if you just want to think about them in your heart and ponder them. I mean, this is something I would encourage you to go back and pray over and really think through. But what might be three things that could really change to make a difference to your man and to your marriage? And then we're going to dive into God's truths about marriage. So just take a few minutes to do that. Okay, I'm hearing lots of giggling. Y'all must have uh, at least got a couple down. I'm not going to ask you to share these because I really want you to just really process and pray over these as we go. And just as you're thinking about things for the next week, um, just what are your goals for your marriage this year? Um, I just I love this book, The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands by Dr. Laura. This is not on the watermark marriage list. Um, Dr. Laura is Jewish, and I'm sure that's why. But she has some great wisdom. But there's a story in here um, that I just want to read. A new perfect husband shopping center opened where women could go to choose from among many men to find the perfect husband. Sounding pretty good. It was laid out on five floors with the men increasing in positive attributes as you ascended the floors. So the only rule was that once you open the door to any floor, you must choose from a man on that floor. If you go up a floor, you can't go back down except to leave the store alone. So a couple of girlfriends go to the store to find a man to marry. The first floor sign reads, these men have high-paying jobs and love kids. The women read the sign and say, well, that's wonderful, but let's go see what's on the next floor. The second floor sign reads, these men have high-paying jobs, love kids, and are extremely good-looking. Hmm, say the girlfriends. I wonder what's up ahead. The third floor sign reads, these men have high-paying jobs, love kids, are extremely good-looking, and will help with the housework. Wow, say these women, very tempting, but there's more upstairs. The fourth floor sign reads, these men have high-paying jobs, love kids, are extremely good-looking, will help with the housework, and are great in bed. Oh, mercy me, but think, what must be waiting on the next floor? So up these girlfriends go to the fifth floor where the sign reads, this floor is just to prove that women are impossible to please. (laughs) So I thought that would be kind of a fun transition to remind us that, you know, we have such a significant role in the way we love our husbands and our marriages. (laughs) It is, you know what, that book has some great wisdom about you know, putting our husbands before us. And that is what I like about it. And she has some funny stories in there, too. But um, it is a good book. Um, But let's talk about what we can control. And I will address a little bit about what if you are loving and marrying to a really tough guy who's making it hard for you. But I want you to approach this morning as, what can I control? What do I have power over? And approach it from that way. So to not be impossible to please, but how can we change so that we are very possible to please? So let's look at some of um, the marriage truths and what we know that Scripture tells us that we really have to do 
in marriage. God calls us to these things. God calls us to be responsive to our husband's needs. 1 Peter 3.1. We are supposed to respond to the needs of others. God calls us to be his helper. In fact, he created us to be our husband's helper. What does that mean to me? Uh, we're supposed to be devoted and give preference to our husbands. And that even means above our children. Our devotion to our husband is supposed to be greater than our devotion to our children. How's your balance there? How's that looking for you? And very hard when you've got demanding toddlers and preschoolers running around. Um, we're supposed to accept our husbands, care for our husbands, carry our husbands' burdens, forgive them when they drive us crazy or make us mad or sin against us, encourage and build up our husbands, spur our husbands on to love and good deeds, confess our sins to our husbands, and pray for our husbands. Lots of things that God calls us to do. When I look at that list, I just say, whew, you know, where is my time for my kids and where is my time for me and the time I need to manage my house and all those other things. So I want to look at really eight areas um, to help us do that. Now, on your table, you've got some note cards, and I realize just how busy you guys are. So the busy, the note cards are to help you with your busyness. And here is a thought. If you want to, you can open that package of note cards and grab a couple. And it, when you hear something that we talk about today that you think would be fun for your husband, that he would like, that matches you and your personality, and that would work for you and you might do, just write it on a note card. So maybe you leave here with ten note cards that you put in your purse, and every once in a while you pull one out and say, okay, maybe I can do this today for my hubby to make a difference in my marriage. So the note cards are just, you know, sometimes just having a little piece of paper is a great reminder. I could tuck it in my Bible, it falls out, and I say, oh, yeah, I did think about doing that for Barry. Maybe, you know, maybe today's the day since it fell out of my Bible that I could do that. Um, but just as an easy way to remind you. So the note cards are for you if that's a way that, that might bless you and help you. All right, let's talk about... Um, help with those marriage mess. And the first thing I want to start on, and you guys are so good, and Building Blocks is such a great place for this, is really getting help from on high. For you to love your husband well and really honor your marriage, you have got to be spiritually grounded. And I know you guys do a great job at this, but sometimes this can be the first thing to go when we're busy moms and our children and everything else is demanding our time. We can give up things like our quiet time, just opening our Bible each day, meditating on some scripture, um, it is important also that your husband not become your God um, and that your children not become your God. And um, I'll give you an example. When my kids were little, it was real easy for me to put them ahead of my husband. And he would get really irritated about this because he could see it. I could not always see it. I would be so swamped in mommyhood that I could not see that I was, I was treating them kind of like they were little gods. I mean, it was just all about what we were doing and serving and keeping peace with them that I would forget that, that my husband wasn't. And then other times I would kind of put my husband up here before the Lord. Are you in balance, lady? Is God your God? I mean, our husbands make terrible gods. 
They really do. And so if we put them above the Lord, they can become, um, it, cannot be, it can be unpretty. Let me put it that way, unattractive. So keeping yourself spiritually grounded, having some quiet time. I mean, if you are in crisis mode with your kitties, this might mean that you have a scripture that you carry in your pocket all day and you meditate on that scripture and that is your quiet time with the Lord. Your kids go down for a nap. You pull it out. They're crying in their room. You're sitting at the door with that scripture, just reading it. But that might be your only quiet time that day, but that at least gets you lined up with the Father. So pick some scriptures that you can put in your pocket. I mean, print them out, cut them out. I mean, that if that's your only quiet time, at least you're grounding yourself in the Word. But keeping, getting help from on high is going to be your salvation for marriage. We can't be great wives if we're not spiritually grounded. Now, I have um, also put Psalm 51 up there, and it's in your packet on the back page. You're welcome to look at it. But I think sometimes in our marriages, we have to set a reset button. And here's what I mean by this. I think sometimes, and depending on where you are with your husband, our husbands can aggravate us so much. We can be so worn down that we really don't have a heart to love and serve our husbands. And I don't know if that's where you are today, but I think praying Psalm 51, and especially the version from the message, which is the version I've given you, is a way to set that reset button. And let me just read um, a couple verses from that to help you see what I mean. Um, Let me flip to it. This is my reset button. When I feel like, uh, you know, I am not being a good wife, I'm not being a good mother, I'm frustrated with my husband, I pray Psalm 51, and here's what I say. Generous in love, God, give me grace. Huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record. Wipe out my thoughts today. Wipe out what I'm feeling today. Take away this irritation I have about my husband. Scrub away my guilt. Soak out my sins in your laundry. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Enter me then. Conceive a new true life. Bless my marriage. So I've kind of skipped from 1-3 down to verse 6. But I think sometimes if you get so locked up and you're not spiritually grounded, to just go to a psalm or a verse and pray for God to just scrub you clean. And I love this because I'm at home doing laundry usually when I'm grouching. So, you know, it's, it's for me, it's scrub me clean like that laundry. Take away the sin, Father. Give me a fresh heart, a pure heart to love my husband the way he deserves to be loved. To love him the way you have created me to love him. So I've, I've just included that because there may be some days that you need to press the reset button with your husband, with your kids, with other things that are driving you crazy. And to me, just having a psalm that I go to, that's my reset button. I mean, I open my Bible to it. Or my Bible's not the message, but I just love the message. Because usually if I'm at that point, I need it as plain and specific as I can get it language-wise. And so that helps me. So I've included it there. So just keeping yourself spiritually grounded is kind of a must that will help you with those truths in marriage. Um. Let's go on to supporting him spiritually. Now, thinking about your husbands and their spiritual walk, 
part of really blessing your husband in your marriage is supporting him spiritually. So here are things that I thought of that helped me support Barry spiritually. So let's talk through some of these. Really just sharing your walk with the Lord. Barry and I try to talk about, because life is busy and we are not always doing the same Bible study. or I mean, we might be in community, but usually not. But just kind of share, what are we learning? I mean, at dinner, with, even with our girls, we'll say, you know, what did you learn about God today when they were little? Where did you see God today? What did you learn about God today? You know, and Barry and I would answer, what did we learn? What did we read? What are we seeing? Just to have that conversation so we know we're both growing. Um, we share scripture. We memorize scripture together. We may both say, hey, let's read, you know, Isaiah 5 today and talk about it. That's the journey. Let's talk about it at some point today. But we share scripture. Um, praying together with your husband. Um, and I'd love to hear more for some of you what that looks like. But we try to have weekly pray. I mean, I wish we could do it every day, but we just can't. But on Sundays, we, do, we try to keep Sundays sacred at our house. Don't always do such a great time with that. But we, Barry and I make sure we have prayer time usually on Sundays. I mean, and if we're having a good week, we might pray together all week. We might pray together every night before we go to bed. But we try to honor that we just need some downtime to pray over things together. Gives me a chance to get my prayer list out with him. Gives him a chance to say, here are the things I'm praying through. And we just pray through that together. And we pray for our kids. We pray over our families. Just what Whatever's going on, but just finding time to pray together. That also gives me more insight into what is on his prayer list, and um, so I can support him through prayer. Um, we also try to honor worship together. Um, Barry and I both volunteer up here, but we go to services every Sunday and we sit together and we hold hands. And if you sit by us, I'm sorry if we're snuggling. I mean, we're not snuggling like that. But I mean, it is a time where we are worshiping the Lord together. And um, we just honor, we need to be in worship together um, and so we just find a time to do that. In the years where we have taught Sunday school, we teach one hour, and then we are in worship together. That is important in our marriage. It spiritually feeds both of us. Um, and so that may be something that you need to think about. Uh, we share in ministry together, um, which, you know, we are in a different life stage, so we can... You know, we do have more flexibility with teenagers. They don't really want you around. So they're always happy for you to go volunteer and not be at home, usually in the evening. But we do ministry together. We find things that we can do together. When our kids were younger, we taught their Sunday school classes for 10 years. And then I said, I cannot go to middle school. I'm so sorry. And uh, my husband was happy to be out of the glitter years. So we um, kind of took a break and we went into pre-married because I had to really skip middle school. And I've kind of skipped high school because that, you know, I'm a little bitty person or a pre-married person, I've decided. But I mean, we always try to find something fun we can do in ministry together. And it's looked different at different phases. I mean, it might be a one-time volunteer thing that you do with your hubby. Or it may be, you know, a weekly thing. Really, whatever works for you. But just see if there's a way that you can tie your hearts for ministry together. Um, Taking communion together, we do communion at home um, at different times. We do communion in our community group for always. I mean, but are you doing communion together? And even when Barry and I just have had dinner at times, we'll, and when we're by ourselves, we'll do communion. And I will say, let's get out our Bible, or he will, and he'll just say, let's do this. Let's read it and do communion, um, and just 
be thankful for what we have. It's just a nice spiritual time together. Um, Okay, seeking his leadership and submission, I put there because they really are spiritually honoring of our husbands. And um, I think sometimes our husbands need to hear us say, honey, I really need your advice. Honey, I really need your prayer over this. Honey, I really need you to give me some guidance on this um, very openly and very seeking that to, to show visually and vocally to our husbands that we are honoring their leadership and that we are seeking that. Um, and so I try to make a point of not always jumping ahead, which is a real struggle for me, but to slow down and say, I really need his advice and opinion about this. I can't get ahead of him. Um, And the last thing on my list is just really covering my husband in prayer. Um, I pray for him. um, I try to pray for him daily. I guess I can't really say I do every day because I know I skip days. If I'm really mad at him, then I might be praying Psalm 51 for me so I get get to pray for him. Um, But I do try to pray for him. I text him when I pray for him to let him know that I've just covered him in prayer. I try to keep up with what's going on at work for him so I can be praying for big meetings he has. Um, I fast at times if he's got something really stressful going on and tell him that I'm going to fast and pray for him that day just to keep me in sync with him and his prayer needs. I really try to honor him with the way I pray for him because he is out working for me. My kids and I can be on our knees for him much of our days um, just covering him in prayer. And he needs to know that and be secure that we just love him and are putting, you know, we're putting ourselves on our knees to cover him in prayer. And for my husband, that is... um, that is, it's huge. He appreciates that. So that's kind of my laundry list. I'd love to hear what else are you guys doing to spiritually support your husbands? Yes. Right. Well, I think, um, okay, so if your husband, let me make sure I understand the question. If your husband's really not taking the leadership role in leading in prayer, um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts because I bet you guys have done some great things. But I think, um, like, inviting your husband to raise the mark where you actually sit in a group and pray in a group, and maybe he can see some other men really model that kind of small group prayer thing may help. Um, Encouraging the community group, you know, to to pray as couples um, and doing it there. Also just really seeking his leadership. You know, honey, I have something I'd love for us to pray about, you know, so-and-so's behavior right now. I'd love to just link up with you and pray that through and then just, you know, continuing to ask him, not badgering him, but just saying, you know, let's take five minutes and just pray with me. Will you pray with me? And I think also picking a psalm or picking scripture, you know, going to Colossians or wherever and just saying, let's pray through this scripture. Why don't you read it first? And then I'll pick up where you stop. Just, you know, encouraging him that way. Now, how else have you guys done that? Anyone who's, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, we need to appreciate and thank them where they are. And know that, you know, my to-do list is not my husband's. That is clear. And, um, you know, is a honey-do list a discouragement? to your husband and if it is how do you create one together what would we like to do Um, which may mean that I have to put my needs and thoughts aside and know that you know those rooms may get done a year from now and it probably is okay yes we're getting a mic for you 
Thank you. This way, when people are listening to it online, they'll be able to know what you said. Oh, great. <laughs> All right, I won't use any names. Um, so one time he opened up and just said that he struggles um, because he knows I'm at home spending a lot of time in Bible study, conversations that, you know, with other women that are, you know, about the Lord and our walk, and um, I can sit and listen to sermons, and so he doesn't have that kind of time during the day, and that just kind of put it on my radar that I need to be really sensitive to make sure that I'm not being prideful in knowing more than he does or making him feel insignificant, and I think that when the Lord put that on my heart, it was amazing how he stepped up. So, like, I had to step down, and he had to step up, because we both couldn't be there at the same time. Um, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Great. Get on. Um, I think one thing that changed my whole marriage basically was um, reading *The Power of a Praying Wife* by Stormy O. Martin, and it made me realize that it's not about changing him; it's about changing me, and that my prayers are about um, God renewing my heart and my mind instead of trying to push anything on my husband, and kind of. Same thing with what Katie said. Um, it was amazing to see how with that change, it's like I had a veil over my eyes for whom God was, what God was doing in my husband's life in God's timing and in, not in my own. And what I liked about the Power of a Praying Wife is it has prayer cards. So when you talk about praying for your husband daily, um, specifically has verses and things you can pray for your husband so you're not stammering. I don't know what to pray for my husband today, um, but it really helped me in that respect. So, Great. I did bring um, Power of a Praying Woman. I have a wife at home. I didn't bring that one. But these are over there if you just want to see an example of one of her books. Great thoughts, too, for just kind of praying all around things for your husband that you might not otherwise think about, too. Yeah, Veronica. Just in regards to praying and... Um, Probably early in our marriage, I think we led a pre-married group, and the Wimberleys talked about spiritual intimacy, and they said that they walk and pray together out loud. So if you ever see them walking um, and one of them has their eyes closed, make sure you alert them that, you know, they might run into something. But um, we, so we decided that was something we really wanted to do, and so we kind of committed to it, but there was always this waffling. We would pray together before night, before we went to bed, um, but we always were like, oh, are you going to pray or am I going to pray or whatever? So we decided to designate even in odd days. So I am always even and he is always odd and there's never a question of who's praying that night. or And sometimes it's really rushed prayers like, thanks for today, get us through tomorrow. And sometimes, you know, we're able to really spend time in prayer. So if you commit with your husband that that's something you want to do, you know, Right. And it might just be words, but then to designate days, that, that's something that's really helped us. And then the other thing is sharing <clears throat> scripture and stuff. I was really insecure in my walk with God when we got married. And so, and my husband, I felt like was a really great spiritual leader. Um, but whenever he would ask me what I was learning, I felt attacked. Like I wasn't good enough or I wasn't doing enough or whatever. And so we started having... Um, my last name, family time, is what we call it, and um, we would meet once a week, and it was a place where I knew that I could come and not feel attacked and share, like, really what God was teaching me, and um, and it wasn't a place where I felt like he was trying to catch me in not spending time in the Word or, or something like that. It was a place where I could come, and it was kind of a, 
an easy ground or whatever, you know, where mm-hmm. um, we were both sharing really what God was teaching us. Great. Great thoughts, ladies, and thanks for sharing. I, I just really encourage you that um, if there's something on the list or something you heard or something from a friend um, at your table that they're doing that would work in your marriage, um, just think about writing it on a card and adding it to the things that you do for your sweet husbands. I mean, if we're praying over our husbands, it's real hard to be angry at them or frustrated with them or not loving to them. Um, it just puts our hearts in the right place. And again, God is our God, not our husband. We are trying to please the Lord by loving our husbands well. It is about serving and honoring God. And by loving our husbands well, we are going to do that better. Um, if you flip in your, in your notebook, there's a um, quote at the top of the next page, which I think goes right to the, one of the comments we heard, which is, Submit to your husband today. Practice ducking low enough that God can touch your husband. Um, um, which, and I have the book up here that that comes from, but I thought, you know what? There are many times where I've had to get out of the way so God could work with my husband. And that is part of loving him spiritually, is really letting him be the man that God wants him to be. Um, On that page also is just... um I like, in, you know, I've already talked about Psalm 21. I like to pray scripture. And for a long time, I was really good at praying scripture for my children. Because I think we learn so much about, oh, here's all these scriptures you pray over your children. And, but I wasn't real good about praying scripture over my husband. Um, so this is one of my favorites, and I've just kind of taken his name out of it. So you can um, plug your sweet husbands in. But sometimes just praying scripture over our husband um, kind of covers him in all of the areas. But also just gives us the words that we may not have at that time. So Colossians 1, 9 through 12, that Barry will be Filled with the knowledge of God's will, that he will have spiritual wisdom and understanding, that Barry will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, living a life full of integrity, that Barry will please you, Lord, in all respects and do things that bring you glory, not me bring you glory, Um, that Barry will bear fruit in every good work, that Barry will increase in knowledge of you, Father. I want him to know you intimately, that Barry will be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, that Barry will attain steadfastness and patience, especially with me, but patience, and that Barry would joyously give thanks to you who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. So ladies, find some scripture, and maybe this is one that might just be a great way to quickly pray for your hubby. And you know what? Have your kids pray this with you. Say, come sit down with mommy. We're going to open our Bible and we are going to pray for daddy today. Your children can join you in lifting your husband up and just covering him in prayer. And how great for them, too, to learn how to pray scripture um, over their daddy um, and love him well in that, that way. I mean, my marriage has been um, blessed by just focused prayer for Barry. Um, And during the day, um, you know, I try to make sure I am covering him in prayer. That is part of the way that I love my husband and serve him. All right. 
Another area that I want to talk about is just appreciating our husbands vocationally. Um, Ladies, God created our husband, and just think about King David in the Bible. Our husbands are warriors. Um, I mean, they are created with hearts to protect us, to care for us, and their job is to go out and earn money so that, um, and I know a lot of you work part-time too, but their job is really to lovingly support your family financially. I mean, that is their job. And so I think loving and supporting our husbands vocationally and letting them know how much we appreciate that is so important to the way they feel about themselves and the way that they're loved. So here are just some thoughts um, And it may depend on what your husband does, but I think behind every great man is a great woman cheering him on. So valuing his profession, which means I don't complain about, my husband works unbelievable hours. I do not complain about his hours. There was a time when I worked when my kids were little because my husband came home one day and said, I quit my job today, I'm starting my own company. And I thought, what have you done? But I, really, I was not kind of a grouch for a while. But I did, you know, go back to work and support him so he could have that dream. I mean, I try to value his profession. I don't grouch at him about his hours. I encourage him. Gosh, you know, we'd love you to be home for dinner tonight. We'll have dinner at seven if that's when you can be home, sweetheart. But I just value his profession, and I encourage him that, you know, in whatever profession or job he's doing, I encourage him in doing that to the best of his abilities using the skills and knowledge that God has given him. Um, So encouraging him in his work, smoothing his re-entry into the home. Um, Your husband's life is very split. There's that work life and there is the home life for most of our husbands. And it is like a time bomb in between. You know, they leave the office, maybe quiet, depending on what they do, and they come home. If it's my house, it's loud, it's rowdy, there are, you know, activities, there's kids, there's things on the floor, there's the dog romping around. I mean, it's just not always a quiet, calm um, place. I think about my grandmother who used to, um, you know, mix a drink for my grandfather, freshen her hair, get all, I mean, she did. Did your grandmothers do that too? I mean, they like fluffed and puffed before their husbands came home. And you know what? That works for my husband too. I have learned that his re-entry into our home is a critical time. I asked my husband one time about his re-entry, and he told me that you know, we don't have toddlers anymore, and I know your toddlers are loving Daddy when he gets home. They run into the door screaming. Okay, well, I hate to tell you this, but when they reach middle school, they're not running to the door anymore. Only the dog was running at my house. And so my husband said, you know, it would be really nice to have some of you welcome me other than we have a big 100-pound old English sheepdog who, you know, romps through the house and just, you know, it's more than, and my husband doesn't really like the dog anyway. It's, she's my dog. But So we have worked on re-entry. We, you know, we all get up. We, hi, Dad. I mean, and, you know, we re-entry time so that my husband feels loved, welcome. We're so glad you're home. We are so thankful for what you've been doing all day to love and take care of us. Um, value that your husband's greatest fear may not may be not being able to provide for family. That is a lot of men's number one fear. 
And so just valuing that and knowing that, you know, he is afraid of losing his job. He's, you know, there is that insecurity in our men, whether there should be or not, and whether that's sinful or not. But that is many men's greatest fear. And just being sensitive. I asked my husband, what's going on at work? What's driving you crazy? Um, you know, what are you struggling with at work? So I can pray for those things, but also so I can just be sensitive. Because my husband can come home from work grouchy, and it has nothing to do with what happened in our house or with me. Something happened at the office, and so I need to kind of separate myself from that and just love him through that and let him talk about it or let him have some quiet time. Um, John Gray, whose book I have over there, uh, that men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I have his stress book over there about how men and women respond to stress differently. And a lot of his research is on how men kind of need to de-stress after the day. And my husband is a golfer, and um, it used to drive me crazy because he'd come home from the office, and after we did his re-entry, he likes to putt his little golf ball around. And so he'd go in the room and he'd be putting. And I'd think, what is he doing? I haven't seen him all day. Does he not want conversation with me, you know, while I'm cooking dinner? Because he's in there putting. And so um, I went to a dinner and John Gray spoke. And I thought he was so engaging. And so I read the book. And now I get it. I mean, some of our husbands have to sit down and read the paper. Some of them need to watch the news. I mean, but men, the way they rebuild kind of their testosterone levels, which for them is their relaxing hormone, is just some brainless activity. And so for my husband, that brainless activity was just putting that golf ball around. And so now I'm like, honey, you need to go hit some balls while I'm cooking dinner because you look a little stressed. (laughs) And so I'm much more open and supportive knowing that that's really a physiological thing that he needs. But I didn't know that. I didn't grow up with any brothers who did weird stuff when they come home. And, uh, you know, I guess when I was a teenager, I really wasn't looking for my dad when he came home. I was probably off doing homework, I'm so certain. Um, But so think about his reentry. Be sensitive. How else do you support your husbands vocationally? Um, Think about just honoring them and loving their jobs because it is for you. They're supporting your family and you. So things that you can do in that area. Um, All right, let's keep going. How can I um, just spur him on to encourage him? Um, I think this is one of the biggest areas um, that we where we encourage our husbands. So let's talk about a few things here. Um, Just encouraging him emotionally. Um, So here are a couple things that we do in our household, and and we'll have some time to talk in this one about what you're doing. One is that I run interference for my husband. I am really um, thoughtful about um, what is going to drag my husband down emotionally. So what does he need to know, and what does he not need to be involved in? And I live in a household of women. I have teenage girls. I have girlfriends. Um, There is a whole lot of drama that we could drag my husband through. If you've got toddlers, you've got drama. Y'all know. Um, And so it's kind of like, what does my husband really need to know? And and what is it not going to hurt? I mean, I'm not withholding like lying, but it's just kind of like, what does he really need to know about my day? And what can I just pray over, give to God, and not dump on my husband. Um, So we kind of run interference 
and, and I'm training my daughters to run interference too. You know, your, your dad really doesn't need to know that you fought with so or had a disagreement with so-and-so over your biology project. You know, it's great. We've prayed over it. We've talked about it. You're good to go, sweetheart. Um, we don't need that drama. Let's have this conversation with daddy when he gets home. And so we do run interference. Um, I try to make home relaxing for my husband to the extent um, that you can with children and dogs and all kinds of other things. I choose my words and my battles carefully. Now, um, you know, in Ephesians 4.15, Paul really challenges us to speak truth in love. And I think a lot of Christian women now kind of take that to the big extreme, which is I'm going to tell my husband everything he does that drives me crazy. Um, And to me, speaking truth in love is also what do I need to say and what do I need to say right at this minute? And how is it going to bless and help Barry? Or how is it going to just really hinder where we are today? And is there a better time to address this issue, this whatever it is? Um, So I choose my words and battles carefully. And another example I'll give you is that... um, You know, I have always a whole bunch of stuff I need to talk to my husband about, whether it's budget, household, my honeydew list, um, renewing the insurance, blah, blah, blah. Well, I drive my husband crazy for years because he'd walk in the door and I'd say, well, tonight I want to talk about insurance or tonight we need to talk about X. And, you know, he finally said it would be great if every time I walked in, you didn't have a list of things that you needed to talk to me about other than just talking. So now with my husband, I have a family meeting once a week and I have all of my stuff together and I don't always have to have my family meeting but it's all the house management stuff and I compile it and all not I mean just in my mind or I have a you know little bulleted list and my husband and I sit down and we just go through all that we go through whatever I need his help with once a week and that's kind of our business meeting for our family so rather than driving him crazy because I'm always asking and driving me crazy because he's not responsive and doesn't want to talk about it after he's worked all day I know that on Saturday afternoon or Sunday you know usually not Sundays but Saturday or once a week he is willing to just sit down with me and go through all of that um, and it also gives him a chance to talk about um, his stuff um, at that time. Um, the other thing is hobbies and activities encourage our husbands emotionally. Um, ladies, you and your children cannot be your husband's hobby. I mean, that is not, you know, as much as we'd like to think that we're the only hobby hubby needs, um, you know, your husband really may be blessed and be a better husband if he gets to go hunting for a weekend and do some good guy bonding, or go play golf, or go fishing. Um, So I just really challenge you, even though I know you're tired and you need the help, is your husband kind of filling his man bucket at some point with a hobby or an activity that he needs to be a good man? Um, You know, he is working all day just like you're working all day. And hopefully you're getting that, too. You're getting just some time for you at some point. But I think it's very important for our husbands. Now, you may have a husband who's not an activity or hobby guy. And then I would say, what happens when your kids are gone? Um, If they're his only hobby. So I might be encouraging him to take up jogging or take up, I don't know racquetball or tennis or, you know, something, but I think it's healthy for them. They need to be around other men. Um, They need hobbies and activities. All right. How else are you encouraging your husbands emotionally? What's on um, 
your list. Anything come to mind? Yes. Uh huh. We're going to get a mic for you, sweet. Um, one of the things I had to realize, and it was told to me, I guess, about five years ago, and it's still been a struggle. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Is that good? Yes. I'm not used to these things. Um, anyhow, one of the things that just, again, goes to choosing your words and battles is um, for my husband, like, he'd come from sometimes home from work just with a hard day, and he'd complain about what's going on at work, and then I would take it on and be like, man that is wrong, and start getting this, you know, all this, you know, just, I guess, huffy about it. I don't know how else to put it. And I realized that was doing more harm than it was good. And so by me complaining about his office work or whatever, you know, his job, in addition to him complaining was really being part of the problem instead of part of the solution. Right. And so for me, I guess just really goes to just listening and not trying to fix it and keeping my mouth shut a lot of the times. Right. I mean, and just Great like, well, example. Yeah, and just like, honey, I'm so sorry to hear that. Is there anything, you know, I could do or whatever? And just yeah. leave it at that. So that's been something for me. That's all. Great. Yeah, it is about their emotional health. I mean, how do we help them just be emotionally strong? And how do we just lovingly hold back, even though, in that example, like you want to agree, but just say, you know, sweetie, I'm so sorry. Just like we would with our kids. You know, I'm so sorry, honey. I'll pray for you. How do I support you? Great. All right, let's keep plugging away. And let's talk about supporting him or connecting with him relationally. Um couple thoughts I have on this, and this is really, um, you know, that it's not good for man to be alone. God made a helper for him. He made us, um, Genesis 2.18. So we know that men thrive when they have good relationships with their wives. I mean, all the research says that, that if a man with a good relationship with his wife really thrives. So this is how do we build and protect your relationship with your husband. So here are a couple, I know you guys have lots on this, and this is date night. Think date night for this topic. Practicing undivided attention, which I know is hard when you have toddlers until it's about 8 o'clock at night, and then you're wiped out. So how are you going to give your husband undivided attention and him you undivided attention in really carving that out somewhere in each and every day? And there's kind of a 20-minute rule, that's, and I have that up there, that you really need 20 minutes of that every day. I didn't come up with 20 minutes. It's in the the research but that's kind of a goal and I was thinking 20 minutes and then I tried that for like a week do I really have my husband's undivided attention no disturbances 20 minutes a day It, it was hard but I thought okay it's a goal you know, and so I laughingly told my husband, and he said, well, do what, what are we going to talk about? I was like, sweetheart. He was just kidding, of course. But, um, but that time alone with your husband, that date night, and I know for so many of you, date night is that undivided attention. But it is, on date night, we're not going to talk about our kids. We're not going to talk about our finances. We are going to just enjoy each other. Tell me what's going on in your life. Tell me what you're struggling with. What are you liking about our marriage? What's good about I mean, thinking of questions that you can talk to that hubby about that just both of you will lock into that aren't, you know, let's do our family business meeting while we're on date night. But really protecting that. It's just time. What did you all talk about before you got married? 
What about some of those topics? I mean, <laughs> not the wedding, right? Right. But if you could go back, I mean, think about what did, what did my husband and I talk about before we were married? We had great conversations. I loved to be with him. I loved talking to him. We didn't have kids. We didn't have finances. We didn't have a house. We didn't have all this other stuff. So how do I kind of dig some of that out and think about what is it that we enjoyed? You know, I mean, we really did, right? All of you agree? You had some great conversations. I mean, you love to talk to this man or you probably wouldn't have married him. Um, the reentry, and down at the bottom, I just have my note there that, you know, our husbands are not our girlfriends, and they don't communicate that way. Um, so for me, this is just to remember that if I need to, like, have a heart-to-heart about something, I may need to call a girlfriend and kind of get that off my chest before my husband gets home from work so that I am not trying to have that conversation with him, you know, or I call one of my sisters and we have it. But, you know, I've learned from my husband and he's just like, can you not call a friend about that? You know, maybe talk to someone else. And he laughingly does it, but that usually is a red flag for me is that, you know, he is going to check out and be somewhere else mentally, and so I may as well just find someone else to talk to him about that. All right, at your tables, I want you to do something for me. I want you to go around and just tell what your favorite date night activity with your husband is. Because I'd love you to walk away from here with just some new thoughts about, um, you know, what your date nights look like. And I hope you are protecting and just having a date night with your husband each week. And if you're not, write that on a note card, and that should be your goal. Because you need that quiet time with him. But go around and share what your favorite date night, and if you don't have a favorite, what your most recent was. And I'm going to give you a few minutes to share those. All right, if I can bring you back to full group. That was a good topic. Okay, did everyone get at least one new date night idea? Okay, hope so. Some new thoughts, new ideas. It's hard to cut that off, I know. Okay, well, let's talk about sex then. Okay? All right, see, date nights, our next topic. I want to talk about just really engaging and enjoying your husband sexually. Um, Because for many of our husbands, this is a big love language. Um, and as wives, I mean, we are called to, to love our husbands and at this point, even with toddlers, find the energy to um, love them in this way. So, um, you know, I think there is the mindset for many women that my husband always wants more sex. And I will tell you that um, for men, sex is different than it is for women. It is a, It truly is a love language for them. Um, desiring our husbands um, communicates to them in their world that we desire them, that we want them, that we love them, that we cherish them. It is a huge love language. And I know so for so many women with toddlers, it is low on the love language list simply because of physical exhaustion. So somewhere in there, you and your sweet husband have to find 
some um, happy median so that your husband is is getting his needs met, and you are too. Um, so here are some things that I hope will help you just really engage in your and enjoy your husband sexually. Um, some things. Um, that I put together, and I'd love to hear your thoughts too. But the first one is to really affirm your husband physically. Close your eyes. Think about what is it that you were first attracted to when you saw your husband. Okay? All of those things are still there. I mean, those butterflies are still down in you. They're just taking a nap with your toddlers. You know, I mean, we have got to wake them up and get them moving because our passion and our sexual enjoyment isn't gone when we have toddlers. It is just physically exhausting. And I know that, but we got to wake it up. we got to jazz it up. So just affirming your husband's physically, you know, even pre- Praying for God to give you sexual desire for your husband. God created you and your husband. And so asking him, bring it back, Lord. I'm not feeling it. Bring it back. Give me the energy to love him in this way. Um, SSSB. If you were ever at my house when I had toddlers, this on this big old post-it note, and you have post-it notes on your table if you want to make one, was on my refrigerator. This is Save Some for Barry. And as I was racing through my house with toddlers, I would see this and remind myself that my husband was going to want some of my energy when he got home as well. And I'm a very visual person, and so I could have posted this in my bathroom mirror, in above the toilet, in above cribs. I mean, you name it. But it was a visual reminder for me, and I learned this somewhere. I didn't make it up. But it was a visual reminder for me that I had to save some for my husband. So during the day, that might mean that I didn't get a load of laundry done because I needed to sit down and put my feet up for five minutes and just get it together because my husband was going to need that energy when he got home. So need I say more? Y'all get that one. All right, so you do have post-it notes. They're big because I need it big on your table, and you are welcome to make yourself a sign while you're here if you would like to. I'll give you a minute to do that. You can pass them. You should have a marker there, too, if you want, if this works. See, you go home, you put that up, you tell your husband what it is, and he's going to say, you need to go to building blocks every day. (laughs) Please go to all those sessions. All right, I'm going to keep going. The next bullet is initiate. And I want you to think honestly about, and maybe you're good at this, but when was the last time you initiated sex with your husband? And I mean you seduced your husband. And that may have taken all of two minutes because it had been so long and he was fired up. Or it may have been a longer process. But ladies, we need to lovingly seduce our husbands. I mean, we are, I mean, what a fun way to bring your husband some joy. Just remind him that you are attracted to him physically. And so I would say initiates. And maybe you write that on a card and you pull that card out once a week and you remember. But we should be initiating to show our husbands how much we love them. All right, budget is on there because I, um, my husband is a visual guy, and we're going to talk about visual stuff in a few minutes. But um, in my budget, I do have some money every month for 90s. 
Um, so I would, and you know what? I am great. Like every time I go to Target, I am wheeling through the lingerie aisle, looking at the sale rack, and I have found some great $5.90 or $10. But that is just, put it in your budget. I mean, if you need... Uh, you know, whatever it works for you and your husband that is, you know, reasonable and is biblical. But think about, do I need to budget for it? Do I need to budget for it? And then, then have fun with it. I mean, just make it fun. Um, surprises. And um, a great question to ask your husband is, you know, honey, our sex life has seemed a little, you know, um, not very spontaneous or different lately, is there anything you'd like to try sometime? I mean, ask him that and and just surprise him. I mean, make sex a fun part of your marriage by really bringing back the fun, the, the way you felt before you had kids, when there was time and there was energy, but even just once a month, if you initiated surprised you know, did something fun. I mean, you are going to bless your husband. Does anyone feel like their husbands would not respond well in this area? Okay, and there may be because our husbands are all different. But I mean, I tell you, this can be a great delight category for our spouses. Um, now, on the nighty thing under budget two, um, one of the funnest things I did one time with a play group is that we all brought a nighty in a brown bag to play group, and we had nighty swaps. Yeah, play group. And um, so every time you left play group, you, know, we, you were not allowed to tell your husband whose nighty that was. All you did, I mean, but every time you went to this play group, you got a new nighty. And, um, I mean, it really was fun. We did it for like eight times. And, you know, your husband's like, wow, did you go shopping? Well, no, I didn't. Um, you know, I got this. I went to a swap. And um, we didn't tell our children what we were doing. You know, they just knew that we were trading clothes. And, you know, toddlers, they don't, they're not caring about that anyway. But it was really kind of fun. And we did have some women that weren't the same size. I mean, we just worked all that through. And it was just fun. It was fun. So talk about spicing up your playgroup a little bit. Okay? So, I, you know, we are all in this together. We are all married. We are all, you know, we are all trying to make our husbands delighted. Um, okay, any other ideas? Just feel free to share them with your table. Yes. There you go. And your budget might be on some fun new undies. <laughs> Right. Whatever works for you. Whatever works for you. Which brings me to my next bullet. Okay, I have to tell you guys what happened to me. I was working on this and thinking about and praying about this um, this session. And over Christmas, I heard this ad, and it was this man. It was on KRLD, and he was saying that I have the perfect wedding, perfect Christmas gift for my wife. She's getting these blah 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 footy pajamas. And I mean, I just started laughing in the car. Um, one year, my mother-in-law gave me a flannel nightgown for Christmas, and on the way home, my husband looked at me and said, how quickly is that going in the goodwill pile? Um, And I just thought, okay, you know, my husband is very clear. 
he is a visual creature. We are called to be the beauty that our husband desires. Look, our husbands were attracted to us. They married us. We are it for our husbands. I mean, there is without a doubt, if I look at every one of you, you are the beauty that your husband desires. You are it. You are what he needs to look at. And so how you physically manifest that and bring it out and what you do to please your husband in that way is huge. I mean, you are, um, you're it. So here's my question for you. If your husband died today, what would you do to yourself before you started dating again, physically? Would any of you lose a few pounds, get a new hairdo? What else comes to mind? I mean, what might you do to yourself physically? Put on some makeup. Put on some makeup. <laughs> Maybe not wear sweats every day. I mean, I don't know what it is. I just thought that that was an interesting question. Because um, let me go to the next slide. Here is um, this quote that I came up upon reading this book called What Husbands Wish Their Wives Knew About Men. And it is that a typical husband wants his wife to look good, but he's not obsessed. Um, If any wife reading this book, these books, or book, I guess I've typed that wrong, could say, if my husband died after my morning time, I would lose 30 pounds, fix my hair a new way, and buy a new wardrobe, she can almost be certain of this. Her husband secretly wishes she would go ahead and do it now. I thought, Okay, I thought, yuck, but, you know, truth sometimes hurts. So, um, here is the thought. You are your husband's eye candy. Um, Men are visual creatures. You want him looking at you. You are the eye candy, even if you're pregnant. You are his eye candy. So what are you doing to fluff it up? And maybe that's just on date night. You do whatever it is that appeals to your husband. Um, But, you know, things like, are you shaving your legs every day if he's a leggy guy? I mean, you know, what are you doing that's the eye candy? Are you brushing your hair and brushing your teeth before he gets home from the office? You know, for my husband, he told me one time, you know, I really hate coming home and you're in your workout clothes every day. So yesterday, you know what happened to me? At 4.30, my husband calls. He says, I'm on an earlier flight. I'm going to make it home. I am running home to take a shower and throw on something else so my husband doesn't come home and I'm in my sweats. I mean, it is appealing to whatever. And for my husband, I know the eye candy is, is, I mean, not that he wants me to dress like, I don't know, a model or anything, and he, he didn't marry that, so he's not getting it anytime soon, that kind of thing. But what is it that appeals to him? I mean, and so I really think about, you know, on date nights, dressing up a little bit. Am I, you know, what is it that I know appeals to my husband? You know when you look good to him and he says, hey, Sarah, you look great tonight or whatever. And so it's being his eye candy strategically, thoughtfully, and kind of thinking that through. Um, and, you know, I go to First Peter 3, 6, which says, Same goes for you wives. Be good wives to your husbands, responsive to their needs. There are husbands who, indifferent as they are to any words about God, will be captivated by your, whole, your life of holy beauty. What matters is not your outer appearance. So I'm acknowledging here, I know the Bible's not telling us to be eye candy, but it is telling us to appeal to what our husbands need. And for my husband, how I look, I know, is a way that I love him and serve him. All right, the last one, which really sums everything up, is just to be a blessing to your husband.